With that said, I'm Pax. And I'm Hal. And, and we're the, the Brotakus! And this is the Brotakus! We never say that! Alright, well, this is the Brotakus. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, uh, I'm Hal. And I'm Pax. And this is Bro Takus, the show where two guys who love anime do a deep dive on what is and isn't worth watching. We believe you don't have to get a major in anime studies to enjoy this wild, beautiful, strange art form, and we're lucky to have you on this journey with us. Our guests today are two lovely people that happen to be Anna Bays and love to watch anime together. So it's such a treat to have them on the show today. They are two actors and artists that are making it happen in this crazy, crazy world, as well as dear friends of ours. You can find them at EJWick33 on Instagram and Twitter, as well as at Haley, which is H-A-Y-L-E-Y, makes art, where you can find incredible artwork if you're looking for art in this difficult time. Please welcome the Brotakus, Haley Denton Hughes, and Emmett Wickersham. Hey! Oh, thank you. What is going on, gang? How you doing? Oh, nothing much. Just trying to survive this time. Okay, yeah. awesome. Now, legend has it that one should not say the f word less than a minute into the podcast. But I'm just gonna go ahead and say I fucking love Emmett and Haley so goddamn much. They are some of the greatest human beings, amazing artists on earth here uh did we did we plug their stuff we plug their stuff yeah go look at their stuff because it's so <laughs> cool uh emmett expert actor expert dm voice of an angel same thing for Haley. no one does it better uh the nightman cometh uh uh, <laughs> uh song than Haley. um so i am going to give our little intro today today we are talking about the legendary anime attack on titan Having achieved legend status uh, even before the end of its uh, publication, Attack on Titan is odd because uh, One Piece has been going for something like 25 years and it has like a thousand chapters. Attack on Titan, however, is published monthly and has had a couple of hiatuses. And so the story itself is not crazy and encompassing, but it's pretty wild. And chances are you've already heard about Attack on Titan. Um, Attack on Titan, the show that answers the question, what if Gundams were made of meat? <laughs> and that is... The, that is the entire combat mechanic. Also, what if Spider-Man was a medieval knight? That's how they fight in this show. A lot of interesting stuff. Um, main thing I kind of just wanted to say straight off the jump before leading into this is that this show, to me, it definitely like encapsulates the difference between terror and horror. Mm. Where um, there's an artist named Anne Radcliffe, and she has uh, this quote that I would like to read, which is, terror and, hor and horror are so far opposite that the first expands the soul, awakens the faculties to a high degree of life, the other contracts, freezes, and nearly annihilates them. And to me, that is what terror and horror are all about. And for me, I think that terror is so much, uh, it's so difficult to achieve. The, the tension, the building of, you enter your home, Something is not quite right. There's a misplaced object, a knife. That window's open. We never opened that window. I've never opened that window. I feel it here a draft. Is there a tapping coming from upstairs? That type of tension is where like the real artistic stuff comes in. And Stephen King once said that like he tried he recognizes the terror is the shit. 
This is, this is a paraphrase. He says, terror is the shit. Horror, second best. I'll go for horror if I can. And if I can't get either of those, I'll just straight up gross people out and they'll still love it. Anyway. <laughs> I think Attack on Horror is an amazing blend of all three because it has this the terror of these otherworldly, just eldritch, strange things. But the horrifying imagery is like truly gigantic in the show. Mm-hmm. It's a great equilibrium. So uh, Emmett is going to lead us off with a brief history of Attack on Titan leading up to what we're talking about today doing this deep dive oh thank you so much i really appreciate that pax um so if i'm going to get started with like the history of where this came from um i think the best way to describe like the story of how it got to where it was and how it got started is also the story of attack on titan which is where a man a simple man named hajime isayama um brought a manuscript a 65 page manuscript of attack on titan to uh shonen jump at shueisha um, if you for people who don't know them, that's a place that does One Piece, Naruto, Yu-Gi-Oh, all those big ones, all of the, the blue chip animes that most people know. And for a long time, there was a stigma of if you don't get on to Shonen Jump, it's gonna have a, you're gonna have a hard time getting your anime to get off the ground. Um, that's a, like that's where the lot of Western. Um, influences come from it's where it's the main ticket into america um but um my man uh, but they were like oh this is a great show but um we're not going to publish it until it's less gritty and less gory and more suitable for uh ages of all audiences so go do some rewrites and um come back to us later uh and he said you know what fuck that i'm not editing anything I have a good show. I already have the second arc planned. I already have a lot of good twists. So I'm going to take my business elsewhere. And he did. And he took it to a little known company uh, named uh, Kodansha, which puts out, uh, if you don't know, uh, now puts out a lot of the manga of those Netflix anime series, um, Knights of Sidon, um, Ajin, like all of those. Um, and he was the one who put them on the map because Attack on Titan was their big, big commercial success. And a couple, uh, a couple of chapters later, approximately um, 126 chapters to be exact, um, the final season nearing release in the fall, um, an incredible run with the anime. Um, it is now a huge household name. Um, and it's been coming out with hiatuses. It only has, there's only a very small amount of content, but it's already reached an incredible status of everyone who loves anime should at least watch it once in their lifetime. Totally. Absolutely. And the one thing I wanted to like jump in to mention is that um, uh, I don't know when. Co- OK, I've been using Emmett's Crunchyroll account for like the past 75 you years. You saw that. <laughs> but um, but uh, I remember when I first heard of Crunchyroll, it was amazing because mm-hmm. it was like probably like high school. And I'm like, here's a streaming service for anime. <laughs> I don't have to watch it on the like Norwegian uh, pirate sites anymore. Like it was amazing. <laughs> it was so great. But Crunchyroll did not blow up because Crunchyroll now has its shows acquired on HBO Max mm-hmm. was like their big money move recently. Mm-hmm. And Crunchyroll's like first big blow up hit, like the most recent thing, it definitely is uh, Attack on Titan. Yeah. And then when Netflix managed to get it on, that was Netflix's first big kind of like fulcrum in like having its own anime and its own things. And so you could totally like see this leading to so many interesting things, which is what Haley's going to talk about right now. Woohoo! All right, all right, all right. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so Attack on Titan was heavily influenced by a uh, Toho film called The War of the Gar- Gargantuas, made in 1965, and it was about basically these two giant 
giants uh, that were brothers. The one two wanted- brothers, two brothers, two giant, giant brothers, <laughs> and they're giants. <laughs> um, the, one, the one brother he wanted to protect humankind. He was like, humankind is awesome. The other brother wanted to eat humankind. He was like, humankind sucks. I want to eat them. And they fought each other. Basically, <laughs> that's basically it. <laughs> so the creator is Yamo. Uh, Wow, I suck. Hajime Isayama was so taken by this movie as a child <laughs> um, that he would often wonder if the tall mountains surrounding his hometown were keeping g- dangerous giants from coming in. So, so he like, was, that Im- was immediately thrown into an yeah, asylum. Just what a sick <laughs> child. <absolute> just <laughs> no. wrong. Yep. Broken yeah. brain. <laughs> yeah. <Ooh. Wow. laughs> he was not thrown into an asylum. No, like, no. <laughs> um, so as as you might know if you've seen the show, he likes to play a lot with um, you know, uh making comparisons with pop culture. So fans of uh, Attack on Titan like to compare the show to The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones, which is so interesting. I, I like couldn't agree more. Um the influence that doesn't seem to be talked about, though, um, is called tokusatsu. And uh, Isayama was heavily influenced growing up, like I said, watching like movies about like giant monsters, basically. So he watched like the good Godzilla movies, Mothra, Gamera, and all that. Um, so these all have something in common, which is called tokusatsu, which is the Japanese term for special effects. And these were um, these films would use this technique called suitmation, where they would put actors in like monster suits <laughs> and then use miniatures as like the town, you know, or like you know, I, crazy. Um, so, I, I like, love that conception of technology. I'm just like, I know. technology is we put on a big old dinosaur suit. Yeah. And it, you, oh, man, you could say like Barney also innovated in yeah. suit. Big kaiju. Big kaiju, big kaiju yeah. Barney. Yeah. Oh, my God. Barney the kaiju. kaiju. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Okay. Anyway, so while um, the show, <laughs> the show kind of uses this concept, if you think about it, but in a really twisted and unexpected way as we will probably talk about um so it's interesting to look at this technique in comparison to the show um it's you this technique was used in like family-friendly movies and movies for kids like this that was like a big thing and then this the show uh takes to another level of showing the gory reality of the world that is attack on titan so not family friendly is what you're saying Um, okay good to know still worth the wash if you're under 13 years old and you're listening to this podcast please ask your parents before you turn attack on titan yeah, on the tv yeah 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 yeah, yeah, Absolutely. yeah. It's, it's one of those things where like because naruto is was one thing dbz is one thing but like in dbz oh wow it was i the first one to bring up dbz or did you did i, did I take your thunder i I broke the blood pact. I brought it up in DBC. People get thrown through 17 mountains and they have some scratches on their face. Um, but this is for, for like the equivalent for like this new young generation of like a uh, little, little mango uh, or mango of little mango dorks. Mango. The little mango people, yeah. the American, <laughs> the new term for weave, the little mango people. Um, that's a brilliant point you have about the uh, tokusatsu movies because th- that also influenced like we wouldn't have King Kong if it wasn't for yeah. that. Like that was a direct rip off of uh, Godzilla, mm-hmm. and Godzilla is having his time like in the 
limelight again yeah. because um yeah we just we just the talked King about this Emmett. Yeah. yeah and he uh magic the gathering which is like the og card game it's like the most popular card game in the world just released a set that has like these godzilla tie-ins <gasps> no. for the first time ever no. yeah ever. they've never done a tie-in with this before there has not been a previous like oh wow pikachu's in this set it didn't happen before but they released like, one of the mo- more powerful cards in the set is called godzilla death corona because <laughs> because godzilla's attack is called the death corona it's like a laser beam from his mouth and so they like didn't recall it but like it's only first printing that the card still has that name they're changing it because there's you know obvious uh, reasons you know obvious there are reasons. A lot i don't need to explain you can use why. for a laser beam yeah but so that's so brilliant tying that into like the same historical um relevance now and i guess i kind of talked about like the little mango people who enjoy it now but um the, culturally like it's way bigger than that right gang Okay, so like I talked about like early, like it, this happened like right when I was going through my anime renaissance. Um, and so I remember going to Anime Boston, like it was the one of the biggest first conventions I ever went to. And I remember getting swarmed by people who looked like the Scout Corps, just swarmed by all of this army of people from Attack on Titan. And I was like, oh my God, it's just like the show. It blew up. <laughs> I don't think it was like one of those things where I'm like, oh, I'm into anime. And there, and people would be like, oh, like Attack on Titan. And I'm like, Yes, you know that. Um, all of a sudden, it like it found this awesome mainstream success that like be be lot beyond like being on Toonami, beyond being on one of those big streaming things that like we had. I think when we were kids, where you had to go on and watch it on Toonami or like torrent it. Uh, but for the first time in a long time, it was. It just found natural success, especially due to Country Roll, especially due to getting on Netflix. And so all of a sudden, you had all of these huge merchandise explosions happening um you saw this big restyling how we view the giant monster like genre as a thing like the giant monster genre used to be like let's just crash into each other and now it's like i feel like in every giant monster thing i see now it's like what's the deep humanity here what what, what's the morals behind behind the giant lizards like and i don't think that would have happened without giant monster is society (laughs) exactly Um, and so like all that all that happened um, and I know all these people who are like yo where do I start with anime and I always and the same thing that happened with me and Haley um, was that we were like uh, where yes. do we start with anime and I was like I think Attack on Titan is the safest bet um, yeah so Haley was this your your first experience oh let me tell you uh, so <laughs> Emmett just wanted me to watch an anime mm-hmm. so bad and I was very hesitant about it because um, I really hadn't seen any anime and I, I've always heard that it's just like a, a totally different like thing for people who have never seen it. So I just needed to like prepare myself. Um, Emmett made the mistake of showing me Food Wars first as my oh first anime. Oh my god. <laughs> and so so, so I, I don't understand why that's a mistake. Could you, could you explain why that's a mistake? So I will not watch something if it is even like remotely just showing the terrible um, societal assumptions as to what women are. It's about food, right? But food is sexy. Yes. As and there is a, oh. a the common um, uh, thought of like food <laughs> giving you the same pleasure that sex does, basically. Yeah. Oh. So like, and that's kind of how the show takes it. So like Fifty Shades no, of Creme no. Brulee. No, no, no. It's like <laughs> so, that's funny. The, the big thing oh, is like God. it use. It's like a battle anime. 
Yeah, realize it's battle. It's a battle anime, but with food. It's who can like cook the best food. And so what happens all the time is they go, "Oh, how could I? Oh, this 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 steak. How could it ever like like reach my taste?" And then you eat it, and then and then a girl their clothes break it. off, and it's like they get attacked by like the ramen monster, which is like a tentacle monster. It's super weird. Yeah, yeah like okay. gravy is squirting out everywhere. Like yeah. yeah. It's just like a lot. It was a lot for me um, at first. So then I was just kind of like, babe, I don't know. I don't know if I can do anime. And he's like, not every anime is like this. And I was like, what? What do you mean? Mm -hmm. So then we we, uh, moved further in our relationship. This is like a year and a half down the line, I think. think. After dodging that near immediate (laughs) end. Meanwhile, meanwhile, in this, I tried tried all this because like Food Wars was like, hey, do you want to watch anime, babe? And it was like just a bad misstep. And then I tried a bunch of other things. That's closer to hentai. It's, it is closer, closer to hentai. hentai. I made a big like. mistake. Um, and so <laughs> I, love I love you too. Um, but I tried. I tried JoJo's. I tried um, uh, okay. um, Haikyuu, uh, which is the volume. I tried a bunch mm-hmm. of various things. I like Cowboy um, Bebop. We tried Cowboy Bebop, mm-hmm. and that was really really great. But the thing is, the big one was it needed to grab Haley. These were all things that I really liked. Um, like these were all things that like were fundamental with mine. Bring and like. Um, I had already watched Attack on Titan by this point. I was waiting for part two, season three to come out. And then I was like, this might be the best shot. So I was like, hey, babe, do you want to rewatch Attack on Titan with me? Um, and she was like, I'll give it a shot. Um, and it took us two attempts. Uh, the first attempt, uh, life stiff just happened and we had to stop halfway through. But then during Corona, um, when Corona happened, um, I was like, do you want to give it another shot? And she was like, absolutely. And we binged the whole series in a week. Uh, I think in three days uh, we binged the yeah, whole series. Yeah, three days. Because wow. for the fir- we stayed up till three in the morning finishing mm-hmm. the third season. For the first season. time, my girlfriend, who's never seen anime, was like, "This is my favorite show," and I was like, well, "We're gonna do it. We're gonna we're gonna get yeah, after this." Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. So, like on that, I think we should return to that later because that's I yeah. think the ultimate yeah. question. Like sure. at the end of this, is why does why is Attack on Titan the thing that like grabs people? You know, why did it reach these levels? Um, so real quick, how much have we seen of Attack on Titan? Because I have I have read like uh, 85 chapters of Attack on Titan. I've seen the first season, but I, I know the whole plot up to what's happening mm-hmm. right now. But so how much have each of us seen to know going forward? Um, I have seen I again, we both have seen the entire series. I've read up to the manga. Um, I've read up to um, a few chapters ahead of where the anime is now. And so, Haley, you're through season three then? Uh, yeah, I'm through season three. I have I've not read the manga at all. Um, so I uh, don't know anything in terms of that. But I have watched the whole show up to what has been released. Okay. And Hal, how much? And I've only watched the first season, and I haven't read any of the manga. I, I watched the first season around the time that it came mm-hmm. out. On Netflix, so so as soon as it hit that, I saw it in like my recommended for you, and I was just like, okay. And then I watched the first episode, and then I had to take a break from it because it upset me so much. I watched Ooh, the first I episode, and, 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 it, and it deeply disturbed me, and so I had to take like a year before I was okay to be like, all right, maybe I'll give it another shot. And so I watched the first season. I recently watched a couple episodes uh, to refresh my memory on it. And that, that's the extent of my experience with it. 
Okay, well, in that case, I think we got a good diversity of uh, people here on this. So we're going to avoid like big specific plot spoilers in the show. Um, we are going to recap the first episode of it. Uh, we'll ju- we'll let you know when we do that, though, in case you want to skip ahead. But in terms of like the big idea of the pitch of Attack on Titan, Hal, could you actually fill us in on that? Because you've seen the first season. I think that that gives kind of like a good base, not getting too complicated of like, what do you recall the show is about? The basic like yeah. plot. Yeah, so basically uh, the first episode opens up and, and you have have this this setting where these cities are walled off these giant walls that go i don't know it's like a hundred feet tall each each of the walls some some ridiculous number yeah it starts at like 50 meters for the first and then i think it goes like 100 150 meters right because there are three walls to this one big city right and essentially all of these these walls are meant to keep out the these others these beings called the titans and you don't really see them until like three quarters of the way through the episode and you realize that humanity has been hiding from these gigantic like 50 foot tall humanoids that are these mindless people eating monsters that just come in and then they start chomping on people. Uh, and you understand that like humanity is trying to find a way to best deal with that threat and live their lives at the same time. That's Absolutely. pretty much the basis of the show until you get further mm-hmm. down the line. I think that's, I think that's totally good. Anything else you want to add that we think is like necessary to know before going in? Like, <laughs> Uh, it's pretty nihilistic yeah. in a lot of ways. It's it is pretty nihilistic. nihilistic. It's not one of those like, all right, everyone, let's get together and fight off the Titan King. It's more of like, like, uh, yeah, we're all probably going to die screaming, but, you know, at least yeah. we have each other in Just the meantime. Tomorrow. Just tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I think hopelessness and powerlessness are like the big themes of Attack on Titan, at least in the first season. Um, so I guess let's jump into episode one because I kind of uh, I, I rewatched it, kind of did a stream of consciousness thing. So I would like to recollect my experience. Please, to yes, you all baby, here. do it. Please. What? I'm strong, real strong. None of you come close. You hear me? I am a warrior. Know this. All right, so we open on some guys in a forest, <laughs> some people on horses, and they're wearing what look like giant rectangular fanny packs, but on their hips. And they're riding through the forest, and uh, it's clear that they are scouting out. They mentioned that, oh, we need to go build our first settlement outside the walls. And you're like, what's the walls? And... Um, they go into this forest and you see the outline of this big humanoid figure. Um, it doesn't look necessarily threatening. It's hard to make out what it is. And the guys are like, all right, it's go time, Rangers. And then they uh, toss um, their, their fanny packs or their, their like hip packs uh, open up throw little like uh, beams, little uh, like metal ropes into trees and they start like flying up, taking out like swords and katanas and cleavers and then like going to slash the thing and it cuts to this big city. And a uh, little boy whose name that we uh, learn is Aaron uh, talking about how on that day the illusion was shattered. We realized that our walls were really a pen and that we're really cattle. And then it's like opening thing um, as a uh, giant gigantic god how would you describe like the the no skin boy uh titan Haley? i'm curious oh. like what's like what was your first reaction seeing oh no god. skin boy um um i was really disturbed 
uh, uh, like that's just it. Like I was really overwhelmed, and then I just kind of assumed that's what all of them looked like. So I was like, "What the fuck is right, that?" Right. So what, what does the first one look like? Because I'm not I'm not even good at colors, so I can't describe it. Uh, very good. Oh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's not like I'm hey, sorry. Someone I fill hate- in. I'm like I literally can't reliably describe what the I, like, forgot. I forget. <laughs> and then you brought it up a previous Boy, episode, and I was like, oh my there, god. Right. Um. Okay. So it's like red, like this, like the reds. They use a lot of reds in this show. Um. It's like a deep red, and it just looks like the underneath. If you just peel off your skin, it just looks like the tendons underneath, mm. and it's just like. <gasps> And there's like a little bit of like bone, I think that's part of the coloring as well. But like overall, it's just like tendons and it's just a really uncomfortable. Mm. <laughs> tendies. Love it. Ooh, it's like nice tendies. So you see Tendy Boy <laughs> rise up from the wall and then it's like, OK, we flash back a little bit to see, you know, what's the life like of this little wacky kid here? Because I think important to announce, like this is not a shonen show. This is not a shonen anime. This is a senin anime or seinen, um, which means like slightly uh, older young men. <laughs> um, so. Aaron's walking around. He's walking around with his sister. Um, what's his mm-hmm. sister's name? Mikasa. Mikasa. Mika, Mikasa. And they're walking around and Aaron like meets a soldier. And uh, the soldiers are just going like, dang, it's so boring here, guys. <laughs> and it always is. Things never happen in the city. We basically don't have to defend anything. <laughs> and then the main soldier goes like, dog, I've been playing so much Pinochle that my Pinochle game is on fucking point. Yeah. I am the poobah of Pinochle. And they're going on about Pinochle. And Aaron comes up and he's like, oh, you guards. You don't respect the fact that they're still out there. The, the Titans are still there. And the guard's like, we haven't seen the Titans in a hundred years and we never will again, which is why the best we could do, straight back to Pinochle, Pinochle squad. And so um, Aaron, Aaron, the young boy, is tearing into them. Mikasa is like very uh, quiet. His sister uh, is there. Um, and after Aaron is done being like, you little lazy babies, what if they come through and break through the walls? The guard's like, they'll never break through the walls. And <laughs> right on cue. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it literally happens again. Um, so Aaron then repeats that they're livestock, they live in a cage, he's furious, he wants to join the scout regime, because kind of the dynamic is that all the people who live in, like, the three walls of the city, like, the more to the center you are, the higher up in, like, aristocracy you are, generally, or money matters. Um, but the uh, homies that formed this like scout brigade that we saw earlier are kind of thought of as like um, I don't know Aaron's mom refers to them like literally as like uh, fodder I think like it is not a well thought of job uh, does anyone remember like when they first see the group yeah. of people coming back from oh, their yeah. first raid yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're pretty much meat shields mm-hmm. for humanity yeah yeah and like, I think that the f- oh yeah go ahead go sorry ahead. Um, people, I guess, like people in the town, their opinions about th- this, the scouts or the, those um, soldiers, I guess, are that if you sign up to be one, you're going to die. Like you just well, like, are. There's this interesting dichotomy that goes on. It's like, yeah, join the military for like money. But if you join the scout corps, you're throwing your <laughs> life away. You're just throwing you're just throwing your life. They all come back. They're all bandaged up. They're missing limbs. They've got bo- mountains of bodies. The ones they could get back. Everyone's crying. It's not a good look at all at the beginning of the whole thing. Yeah. And they make it clear that the people who live in the city are, at least to their own knowledge, like the last of humanity, as in um, all of humanity was wiped out by the titans 
and then um, the Avatar came and, <laughs> uh, uh, oh. and then just the, the, the Titans were beaten back and it's been 100 years since they've seen the Titans. But humanity having learned its lesson, they all went inside the walls of this city. And so to their knowledge, the only humanity that is left is like 1.5-ish million people in the city. Is that number about kind right? Of, it's, that yeah. number is so loose. Kind of, like... Yeah, they go all over the place, but it's it gets kind of smaller. That, like when the scouts go out, because you look at the city and the city's huge. Like there's huge areas of farmland and like everything. It's not safe to be outside the walls at all. So even their farmland is like held in like these little nodes outside the final um, wall by what's the term like the uh, barrier Walmart, cities? Yeah. Uh, no, um, Shiganshina. Yeah, it's like the specifically right? is where they're from. Yeah. Yes, and it's called a barrier city or a like it's, little it is, node. It's like a focal point so that the Titans attack there and not the... So, ah, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. So the city is very well specifically designed and, you know, talking about world building, it's awesome how like everything about the structure makes it clear it's built specifically to protect themselves from the Titans, specifically like, oh, here's where the Titans will attack and where we could like uh, point them off where the architecture wouldn't make sense if they weren't uh, in this world with the Titans. And so I think like when the whole tone is set is those scouts that you saw earlier who looked like they were about to just like murk this uh, big old monster dude in the forest gone like 80% of them dead the ones that are coming back are just bloodied and a mother comes and Aaron and his sister are watching a mother comes out and starts crying um, upon learning that her son died in this raid and the uh, captain of the soldiers says uh, yes here's like your your son's uh, emblem and she is begging saying please please tell me he died for something tell me he died with honor to advance something but the thing is there's no settlement outside the walls for a reason. It's almost implied that maybe the rangers go out to like lower the number of bodies that like even need food to be sustained in the walls. And the captain has just had enough and he breaks down crying saying, your son died for nothing and it's my fault. It's my actions. They all died for nothing everything it's for nothing and it's heartrending it's heartrending the scene and um Aaron goes home after this really effective drama um his uh, his sister snitches being like Aaron wants to join the rangers he wants to join the scouts and like his mom's like don't you'll fucking die like they have a hundred percent death rate like don't do that why would you do that <laughs> um and the dad is like all right gang I'm going to the store for bacon be back in a week and he like <laughs> he, he dips out he's like he's like a doctor but he's whatever he leaves um and before he leaves he introduces the big MacGuffin, which is like oh and but i see the face yeah. <laughs> so you, like no, yeah because it. it's it's so interesting that you go i can like remember everyone i asked like where were you when you first heard the basement and everyone goes uh yeah. oh i remember like aaron's dad saying that and then you're going oh the basement and then you and then literally 5 minutes later you're like Oh, oh, so this is the whole series now is getting to the basement. Yeah. Like, yes, because before he leaves, he's like, be a good boy and I'll tell you what's in daddy's secret <laughs> basement. And he like waves the key. And it's almost like in Spy Kids 3D where they like reach out the object. The right. amount of the camera goes like the key, the key, the key. And so this sets up that a long term goal is for Aaron to get in the fucking basement. <laughs> so um, Aaron goes, there's a guy named Armin who um, he's one of the other. The term is uh, uh, deuteragonist. It is the secondary antagonists. Sasuke is a deuteragonist and Vegeta is a deuteragonist.
protagonist. But we'll just say the secondary homies, the Rons and Hermione's. So uh, Aaron's the Ron, Mikasa's the Hermione. Um, and he's getting bullied because a bunch of kids saw him um, basically just talking about like, hey, my opinion is that humanity's future lies beyond the walls. And like these bullies are like, hey, look at this homo with his gay yep. dreams. Let's fuck this <laughs> <There it> goes. <laughs> Just start beating the shit out of him, and Aaron comes up, and he's like, "Oh no, the dreams must survive. Get away from him!" And um, they fight, and literally as Aaron goes, "You know, guys, the walls can't hold forever. It's only a matter of time." <laughs> like as he says that, lightning strikes in the background. The big Titan rises up, um, all skinless. The Titan kicks a huge opening in it. Great physics with the rubble. Something that is like disturbing in the show is it doesn't have anime physics. Like there is a sense of weight with the way that people fight. Um, Titan kicks in. A bunch of Titans come in. Um, effective. Uh, it's it's so effective because before this, the only Titan that we saw was like in the forest with the outline and then the really big dude, but most of the Titans look absolutely just very unique and grotesque and we'll talk about that. Um, so Aaron runs to see his house in ruins, his mother's underneath and where the show goes from there is is heartbreaking, involves escapes, but I think that um, the the hooks are kind of all there and everything beyond there is kind of spoily territory but we're kind of gonna talk about some more of the 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 broad strokes of the series after this like really great dramatic hook yeah 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 yeah. so it's super interesting because like the second you kind of see it um it kind of gives off the same vibe that full metal alchemist does where it's like um pseudo german military equivalents um and it, it does like this huge thing where there's this big majesty in the buildings and the architecture and this incredible like uniformity and like beautiful like uniformity of like the like the the outfits that they're wearing and everything and you kind of also get the feeling that it's like an intensely military society because it has to be everything is super and like everything is super super like set up and he like uh isayama like talks about like i want everything to seem like it can't come falling down so when it does come falling down it has that reaction i want the every all the structures every one to look like they won't ever come apart so that when they do you'll have a more visceral reaction to it and it, I, I think that's just you know the completely amazing strokes that this guy goes to to make sure everything is connected and does have those like effects yeah just the wall going down is a huge sense of terrorism and like this isn't something that can happen it's something that like leads us to the sublime in the sense that it's like this is an otherworldly thing this isn't a possibility and I think that we spend so much of our lives in this kind of constructed sense of safety that when terror happens what it is is it's it is the sublime it is the the, the otherworldly the the impossible like the the so unfamiliar that it, it just shakes everything in our body every time we get the best news or the worst news and the fact of of these walls coming down, even in the audience, it's just, it's, it's well, unbelievable. If I, if I may, like, it, it it, the first thing that I thought about whenever, and this might be too much for like, but then who knows, but I was like, wow, like this is like the same kind of like gravitation of when I saw the first plane hit the twin towers. Like it, it replicates that feeling almost completely in an anime. And that's yeah. wild. Um, only then like, you know, the plane gets up and like, it becomes a giant monster, but you know, various different kind of, things. but it does that realistic gravity in ways that no other anime does, which is what, yeah. I'm interested in hearing like, uh, Hal and Haley, like, 
I, I think that a big thing to get into aesthetically is like what the what violence looks like in this show and like what the the Titans look like in this show just aesthetically and I know like Haley you're an artist here so maybe you can give like some perspective on this I love how real everything feels about the animation of Attack on Titan um the the people they don't have the stereotypical like Jojo's bizarre adventure body where it's like an upside down triangle you know what I mean? The um, ideal form. <laughs> right. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, they, they, they genuinely just look like people. Yeah. Um, and the, the one thing that I noticed, I was also rewatching the first episode today just to kind of like recap in mm-hmm. my brain, um, is the blood. The blood <laughs> is so insane i never thought i would see something like that in an anime but it's almost like beautiful honestly i was like it's so beautifully crafted the way it just kind of flings and it has a realistic (laughs) physics but i think that the the one moment of almost like style in it is when a really important character named dies in the first uh, episode um the the blood almost forms like uh, rose petals or like cherry blossom petals and like floating through becoming these droplets on the way like falling to earth (sighs) in a way that is so macabre and freaking harsh um yeah but it, I, I i worry that we haven't gotten enough into like what specifically a titan looks yeah, like yeah like, sorry yeah, yeah. So, so i think that was the most frightening part of the entire show for me i mean you, you know there is that feeling of hopelessness that you oftentimes get in certain horror mm-hmm. genres um at least an effective horror genre um i think what really disturbs me most about the titans so an overall description is that they are these gigantic humanoid beings that are that come in various shapes and sizes but generally like their bellies are like distended um they don't look particularly muscular um and yet they're enormous but i think what is most frightening about them is their mouths and their eyes and and so often um when you look at the antagonist of of an anime like you have these close-up shots of their face like Mm. when they're about to do something or they're about to say something and you already know what they're about to do before they do it but with the titans there's no intelligence there's nothing no, happening behind the eyes. That's so nothing. right. That's so right. And, and that is what makes it so frightening because they have nothing going on behind the eyes and mm-hmm. usually just an empty grin. Mm-hmm. Like you're not sure, are they smiling or is that just how their face w- was created? Is that just what it became? <gasps> and Emma just so, did a like, great Titan smile. Can you give well, me that, that again? It's that first <laughs> one because like the other ones are kind of like, like they are mundane and they are like, they look stupid. And then the one that really puts it in perspective is there is this moment in season one and anyone who watched the first episode will know when that one titan comes out and then doesn't say anything no one says anything it's just got this huge smile from ear to ear and it's looking at you like your ribs just like, like you're you're a beautiful barbecue yeah. ribs and it's not personal and that's the worst part <laughs> that's a thing there's no intention mm. and that's what makes it even more frightening it is just this this desperate grasping hunger that reaches out for you and takes you um whether you have anything to say about it or not and and so i think that's what makes the titans so frightening is because like there is no fighting them there's no understanding them and well, most of the time yeah, that, there's no that's, that's the other them. fun thing that you do play with is like and like a lot of things in season one go like they are some of the titans look sad and they look pitiful and there's all these what like and they're all like i wonder what's like going on with that and it's only until season two and three when you go 
oh man like and it, it's mm. like this wonderful like where like all of them are so designed so base and it's like that's terrifying and then there's also like god i hope that's not me one day kind of a thing yeah it's kind of like oh, getting yeah. randomized on like the me creator Yo, yes the it's totally like a randomized like character creator thing um, yeah. And everything about them is mm-hmm. uncanny oh, yeah. valley, for sure. Just like um, nope. they don't have genitals, like that's very clear because they're, all, they're all naked, and everything oh, about, their, about their that. their bones, their musculature, everything is, I'd say, like ten to twenty percent mm-hmm. off. Yeah, and it's so slight that it just it lights that like fire in you. I remember um reading a a Richard uh, Bachman book. It's a which is one of Stephen King's aliases. It's called The Regulators, and in it there are these sort yeah. of like uh, creatures who come to life, terrorize a neighborhood, but they're sort of these sentient drawings uh, made from this child's mind uh, of what the child put on the page, and they came off, and that's almost the the sense that I get of something that is so um suggestive of um inhumanity of just just uh, a complete inability to what you said about not having a soul behind the eyes it's like how do you intentionally animate that that's so interesting to say like and and they yeah, did it which they is great it. um briefest thing here who's read okay Emmett, you've read the manga right how would you describe the attack on titan manga like art style like block images to the point of uncomfortability like to the pat- where it's like constant image yeah. like constant freeze frame like very exact shapes to the point of uncomfortability it, it feels very like yeah. desolate on the page and like and here's the weirdest thing is that it is the the ugliest looking mm-hmm. art that you'll find in any professional publication and it's 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 a legitimate reflection of the mangaka's um, of uh, Hajime uh, Isayama's lack of like skill. Yep. It, it really is, um, and and he's upfront about it. He said in an interview, um, "I take it that the idea is it's better to leave some space in the manga for the reader to fill in yep. by herself, right? With Attack on Titan, the poor art quality is where that space is left open. The characters and universe are all already there, but there's room for the reader to participate in a positive way by drawing it better. <laughs> like, and so, like, it's literally like these. Um, it, it, you're right. It's very exact and yet mm-hmm. sloppy and like mm-hmm. dusty, but it, 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 it's otherworldly because the, I mean, just anybody Google an image from the Attack on Titan manga, like why it's so otherworldly, it very much captures that kind of amateurish mm-hmm. quality of like inhuman, like musculature and drawing faces in a way that I think looks so different because the manga looks nope. nothing like the anime. So different. The anime looks gorgeous. And I think that's why I don't know. I don't think I would. I, 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 I wouldn't either. Um, I think I yeah. Maybe read the anime there, and for a lot of other reasons, I think the combat being another good reason why. If you want yeah, to yeah, dive yeah, into yeah, that. yeah. So like, um, as as everyone here knows, I'm like a huge person when it comes to conflict in in, in on in theater, on film, in D and D. Like, I'm a big person that like loves like what that does for a story. And for me, this is where the show goes from good to great. It goes from good to great mm-hmm. real fast because in anime, a lot of the times. Like and for all of us, some of our favorite ones, DBZ being one of them, Naruto being one of them for me, I feel like it just became like land reducing farts that would like that you would just be like, oh, seven hand signs, call down a lightning dragon, and everyone's fine. Um, and mm. like all that stuff. And like we talked about it this a lot already, that it like it does embrace real physics. Um, and to the point yeah. where everything hurts. I'm a big believer that you can't have a really good fight or a good battle or get that shit out 
of what of the of anime especially but anything unless there's that feeling of stakes and this thing does it yeah. so well because so many times like just the crunching noises and that comes down to it to the fact like and like something we I don't think we've talked about yet is the Titans cannot they're invulnerable. There's only one spot where they're vulnerable and it's this like at the back of the neck. And so of yeah. course you're like, so why don't they just use guns? Because guns don't work on it. They have to fly yes. and zip. And they, they don't have pistols. They do, though, right? but that's for taking on each other. Oh, they do? Um that's that's oh, for the okay. you know. And so then it all becomes of like and so this is the one of the things where I also go like Attack on Titan is like you could only buy it in Attack on Titan because like oh of course there's only like this like two meter slot so of course they have to make zip lines that can like jet them to with so they can like don their razor sharp katanas to get that like super specific one place and everything all that adds to the fact that they humanity is super outgunned it's a super hard disadvantage mm-hmm. what they're at already like even to kill one of those things super super difficult to do and you feel yeah. that even when like the powers the great powers that are revealed as any great anime has the super revealing powers even once those happen you still feel like humanity is at a huge disadvantage a huge disadvantage because on the bright side like you really have to see Aaron and Mikasa and Armin like and they there's maybe like five of them that take on this titan one is used to like distract it maybe and then they shoot these little wires from their like belts to a building and then those wires like latch onto the building they pull themselves and they fling themselves in the air they like fly basically and they like they like oh i love how they animate them flinging in the air it looks like spider-man when he like shoots something and then pulls himself it's like that um so then that one may be distracting it while another one is behind it. And so then they also have these giant freaking swords and they usually are equipped with two of them. Um, so like they could do like a like double slash or like whatever they need to do. And they have both hands ready with a weapon because I guess like they just need to make sure they nick it in the back of the neck. Uh, so there there could be someone coming up behind with a sword to slash its neck and it has to be so precise it has to be like a certain amount deep mm. into the neck in order for it to be done and it- so like they they train vigorously to make sure they can actually get it <laughs> yeah and if they even land a finger on the um people ko (laughs) rko you're done uh that's pretty much it um and that's i think that's what also makes the combat so interesting in this show is like you have these these creatures that are you know really big they're lumbering around doing their thing and then suddenly like they lock eyes with one of the rangers and they're like you're like all right there are like six rangers there's one of these doofuses walking around in the woods like they can handle this and then suddenly it moves and it's really fast and and just completely go just goes right in a beeline for the nearest person and as soon as it grabs you you're done Mm-mm. you're done there's like no monologuing there's no i'm going to take my time and mm-hmm. enjoy this it's just mom mm-hmm. you're dead or it rips you mm-hmm. up or it like breaks you in half within its hand it just mm-hmm. 
it's and so bad. That you, it's, it's interesting that you mention it because like there's always this one and there's like this big break in the series in season one which everyone knows when it is and it's like the whole like oh now we finally have them because usually how those fights go are we have five rangers and now we have one maybe um, and you and like they go like butter and you know everyone's names and you know their stories and that's rough yeah. but then there's always and this happens like because this is the majority of the series is them going like oh god I'm gonna take out this stupid titan and then the titan looks at you out in the corner of your eye and, and then it sees you and then it covers up the spot and you're like oh fuck and then it's just, and then that's the rest of the series is going so titans can be smart this is really bad and then like that's the majority of like oh we just thought we got ahead uh-uh, back to square one. Hal, you compared it to Game of Thrones earlier, right? Uh, you know, that comparison, um, I believe that was Haley, but but one thing that, that Haley, if you wouldn't mind talking with me about, um, is the use of unceremonial mm. uh. death within within Attack on Titan, which is another constant theme in Game of Thrones, which is something that a lot of fans of Game of Thrones had, you know, sometimes they loved it and sometimes it really, really upset them. Um, I know, and I know that Attack on Titan is one of the the shows that you've really watched right. all the way through. So I don't know how much experience you have with shows that are like, like, oh, I, I I'm on my last legs, but <laughs> but it's okay, Haley, you can right. do it. I believe in you. I can do it. <laughs> um, um, so so tell me, what is your what okay, is your feel? So with that? I honestly prefer a show that's just kind of like character fucking dies. I I love the comparison of it with Game of Thrones, but I honestly think that Attack on Titan kind of does it better. Oh, like oh, really? so Haki agreed. Right. You're so the way right. the way Attack on Titan like even just like lays out their show in the first place assists to it because the the way the episodes play out and everything, it feels like real time. It feels like Yes, this and they always die when it's like a crazy situation, like someone dies and then they immediately have to go because there's a Titan right fucking behind them. Like it literally can happen within the blink of an eye. And you being a really big special main character does not fucking matter. Mm -mm. It doesn't matter. I mean, no one is really safe in this world. And I think that is just the reality of it. And I just love the fact that this show is really trying to amplify if this was reality. Mm Mm-hmm. And you two, you two, and what that would pretty be. much oh, like, Ang. Yeah. If Ang suddenly went to like learn his the first element, like just mastered airbending, mm-hmm. and then got decapitated oh, in that show. Yeah, That's and it. like you two came to my house to watch the um the uh, Game of Thrones finale, and I remember it became like the roast of that. Uh-huh. And it's so tough because like what the last two seasons did, like I don't even have a desire to watch Game of Thrones again. Like I hate mm-hmm. to say it, but it just it um it's it just feels like a, a a road of like leading off a cliff to me. Like I just I know that the <laughs> ending is there and there's that scene during the battle of winterfell where it's like all the surviving characters like one at a time it's like oh i've been hit by the white walkers and they're down and then like sir jorah comes in and is like oh not so fast i'll save you and then like oh sir jorah's down and then brienne is like oh i'm here yeah. now and i'm saving you and then brienne's down and then other character who's still alive is like oh don't and it like happened in a loop like five people like last minute saving like it's not like that like things of that ilk never happen um in attack on Titan, but it's so rare and well 
place it it makes sense it's not just like cheap storytelling <laughs> chicanery yeah no well actually right. there's no because at least from i and i i was remember like talking about this with Haley earlier today i think it's the reverse fact i don't think it's that everyone it can like it's the fact that like they boost up their supporting cast so much the supporting characters are mm. everyone's favorite potato girl sasha has her oh. own episode where she kills a titan and saves a girl on her own a whole one just for her and then you're like i have i and it's not even like a throwaway it like comes back and then she's like an archer and like every single one of the like supporting characters are elevated to main character status during season two or some of season one or season three and it's to the point where like oh they all feel like main characters i know about like little johnny's mom and that's not even me making up a name that's a real thing like i know about his mom and that's a big plot point and like so then like all mm-hmm. of a sudden like when these characters go you're like they were in like they felt like and they're like oh but it was like a side character right the main trio is like still around i'm like but like so i don't care about aaron anymore she's got a mom i want to know about his mom like mm. It, yeah. like, it really does a good job of like making them bear the main character yeah. mantle. And something that helps here is like, oh, the humans are trapped behind the wall? I'm one of those. <laughs> I'm a human. I, I want to run now. I want these guys to live. <laughs> Which is like very, uh, very important, I think. Um, like, and it revolutionized anime too. You made a ton of great points about like what what it did to the, the field in terms of anime oh, yeah. pr- production. So, in it. I mean, even because I feel like uh, My Hero Academia gets a lot of like the credit for this, but mainly because it, they did it intentionally. Attack on Titan did kind of it was a mistake between like Wit Studio and like the anime company, but they took breaks. It oh yeah oh well, really it wasn't intentional. It wasn't intentional? Um, like Wit and the. Uh, production team actually had like a lot of misgiving like there wasn't a member of the wit board on there so it was very much like do this and they were like we can't we need more time and they were like why like because we're a small studio of like 20 people we have to outsource we have to like do all this wits was the people who make this beautiful animation like 20 people not a lot of people at all Mm. um but they did and they were basically and they were like where's attack on tate and they were like you have to just wait it's not done. It's not good. And they like made a public statement where they were like, if we put it out right now, it's not going to be what we know it can be. And so we're going to take our time and do it. And then all of a sudden, because I know we all grew up in the era of the big three with One Piece and Naruto being huge things that we like that got us into anime. But Bleach. Bleach, too. I forgot oh, Bleach yeah. was a part of that. But like, God, is that anime Filler fucking anime sucks. <laughs> really blow. Like, and I remember like just being like, all right, looks like I'm here for the 80th week in a row of filler arc. Um, filler anime, for those of you who don't know, is when the the anime gets ad- adapted from the manga, right? So as long as there's manga to adapt, then you can keep making anime. But sometimes the manga isn't released yet. The new episode, the new chapters aren't there yet. So the animation studio go, we don't want to lose viewership. So animation studio, make your own thing. Um, just make your own story. And so then you'll see like a lot of peep times that like... Um, Naruto will be like, oh, I don't know where Sasuke is, but I'm gonna go and like, you know, make friends with this monk named Sora who's on the other side of the world, and like, we're gonna do this for 50 episodes, and it has no bearing on the actual plot. And like, mm-hmm. those three animes I just named that we just named are notorious for that, and you don't see that anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't think Black Clover has a single yeah. one, and that's the one that's kind of like the new like we're just gonna churn out an episode every week. And we've all seen the effects of what can happen when someone releases a product a little too soon aka season eight 
of Game of Thrones. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. So perfect. Season Game seven and eight are perfect filler arcs. Of that. They're fan fiction. Like, and it stops because yep. the filler material arcs. wasn't yeah. ready yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, that's one of the. Oh, that's only one of the things that it just did. Um, but it really changed how we viewed that um and does a lot of the stuff that it um that it does that the other thing that it does is it creates like all these amazing female characters that like have gotten like we've talked about this a lot female characters in anime are not good they're just not good i don't know how else to say it they're just not people um and i know waifu culture is a huge thing but that's a weird thing that yeah. waifu culture is a huge thing um and so this is the first time, and me and Haley talk about this because our two favorite characters, I think there are two favorite characters, are this girl named Ymir and Historia. Um, those are our two favorite characters. And they are. Wait, is one of those Potato Girl? No. Um, I love Sasha, but. Let's just talk about Potato Girl. Everyone wants to know. Yes. Everyone's got to know. We got to talk about Potato Girl. Max, why don't you uh, give us the rundown of Potato no, Girl? No, you do. You're like Potato Girl in the flesh. Oh my I don't God. talk about Potato Girl. She's too close <laughs> well, to me. I'll I, start crying. Uh, Okay, all right, all right. So Potato Girl, uh, just, she's, like, she becomes, like, a badass. Like, she becomes super freaking cool. But in the beginning, you literally are just like, this bitch eats a lot. And that's, like, her main thing. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's me. But so it's literally, like, the 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 Colonel Sardis. Um, who is like the big like drill sergeant at the academy? He's the big drill sergeant. He's like, y'all ain't shit. Y'all suck. Oh. Y'all ain't gonna be ever nothing. And then it's just this one rogue girl eating a raw potato, eating a fully raw potato, and like in the middle of his big speech. And then he goes up to her and he gets nose to nose, and he's like, "Yeah, what's your name?" And she, uh, they're like, "Yeah, my name is uh, Sasha." It's like, "You like that potato?" It's like, "Yeah, I really do." And they're like. All right, I'm gonna call you Potato Girl now. And she's like, "Well, I don't like that name." And it's like silence, and there's like cuts to everyone. And he's like, "Okay." And then it's just flashes to her running around the camp all day, and she's like, <sighs> and it's like, and that is just her. And, and like, you're so like, genuine. They don't make it so that Potato Girl is like so dumb that she doesn't understand why this is wrong. Or that she's like goof, a goofy, wacky character. They don't make it so that she's like emotionless and she's like, I'm eating a potato. What are you going to do about it? She's so empathetic. She's just like, well, I I ate this potato, so I thought I'd yeah. give it a home in my stomach before it gets before it gets cold. And the guy's like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. You fucking what? And she's like, my stomach. It's where potatoes go. <laughs> Just like I just want food, man. Yeah. And, yes. and then he goes, she "Do you want some?" Regret and I'm she like, "Wants it herself." But she's like, "I guess if I gotta give it away." <sighs> and there's a lot of characters who you'll love as much as Potato Girl, uh, or at least part of the way as much. Potato Girl number one, though. Every character gets the same treatment. Every character does get the same stuff, and that like really popularized that. Uh, it like mm-hmm. it changed how we view ensemble anime. Like because I, there's a lot of ensemble anime, and I feel like it's very much like they get the one trait, and that's their trait. Like Choji, who oh. eats a lot in Naruto, or like Shikamaru, or like who's just Lockley, smart, or like does one really cool Lockley. thing and just then gets fucked <laughs> all the rest of the Nothing. show. It, it really and this show really changed how we view the ensemble of an anime like it's not like it like my hero academia like came right after black clover just came right at like all of these great shows that like with a huge ensemble and all of a sudden the ensemble like actually they actually had conversations that mattered and they actually had flaws 
and a whole thing. And that was a really new thing that we hadn't seen in a long time. It used to be protagonist or no-tagonist. And like the world building would be so weak if they didn't mm-hmm. do it this so often just an, an anime does not consider i think um uh uh Go- goblin hunter was it goblin hunter the really terrible slayer goblin, goblin slayer. slayer is a great example of something goblin that um, the, the that- artistic expression of the show does not at all match the points it's trying to make and so it's so undermined and whereas attack on titan mm-hmm. of course it's an ensemble show because you you need an ensemble to attack a titan there is no one super powered thing that like goes into magical girl mode and summons like the chainsaw blade that can just rip a titan straight in half from like the groin up it needs to be the whole team all the time and so of course it would be an ensemble show because Aaron is mm-hmm. he's cool but he's emotional like I wouldn't I wouldn't want to follow him all the time so I'm glad they took that break yeah in but it's two. interesting that you mentioned like see it's usually like mentioned that I don't want to follow him because like they do like they, they they really they go into like we don't want to follow you just because like you have the powers doesn't mean that we choose you as our leader like and like that was like a cool cool thing we're like oh so like the special chosen one is a side character now mm. and that's weird and it's like this weird bait and switch where you're like aaron isn't the main character anymore at all um and then it like especially in season two and season three and all of a sudden because we have all those like that network of like protagonists and how they branch off all of a sudden like you can do so much more characterization and world building just because you take a break from them. And that's a new new thing that's coming in general is just taking a break and not having the protagonist be the driving force. So, um, so now that we've talked a lot about, um, you know, what, uh, attack on Titan does, right. Let's talk about some things that might be just a little bit problematic. Uh, uh, as, yeah. as Attack on Titan goes on. So uh, have you two encountered any any themes within like the later seasons that might be considered problematic or some things that might come up as an issue later on? Is there some controversy? There is some controversy. Um, I know we had me and and, I, and Haley, maybe you can speak to this moment, too, because I remember when I know the exact episode when the because there is a very exact episode when this all starts coming out. And then you just and it's like you uncork the, the bag of worms like and you're like, OK. And I remember like seeing that and being like i'm confused as what i just saw like um without mm-hmm. trying without giving any spoilers or anything um there ooh this might be a little hard i'm going to try my best um so there are there there's kind of this nazi germany feel um the later you get into the series um in terms of there are there are people who literally have to wear these like badges as if, you know, the, the star of David, um, it's not the star of David, David. I don't, there is something to identify them as a different kind of people. So they are, they are discriminated against and it, it becomes like a big part of the story. Um, and a lot of people have talked about it as kind of being problematic. And I can see why making a plot, relating to something like that like yeah it's it's something that happened in our history that we are upset about but i think that's why it's important Mm. that it's in there it's like something that we watch that i you know that was like a big thing for me to learn in school was about the holocaust honestly and um having like a show that kind of mirrors it in such an obvious way was so interesting to me and it just like honestly intrigued me more um 
in terms of the the concept of the entire show t- in general, I was like, oh my God, where is it going now? Because f- for the life of me, I did not expect that to happen, you know? But then it happened and I was like, why does this make sense? It it I think it helps the show personally. Mm. There's a yeah, there, there's an important um distinction between the 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 tools with which we build stories. And inevitably, we as people we need tropes. We need tropes and we need iconography because if you aim to create a, a series or a piece of art that is so devoid with, with kind of like any anchor that's already in people's heads, it can make the story you're trying to tell really, really hard. <laughs> so if you're telling a story about, you know, um, uh, a, a marginalization and pain and you set it on the planet of like Glip Glop where the Glazorpians <laughs> and the Flamorpians are uh, fighting over the Glom Glom mines and then the Glom Glom miners come and they go, oh, you stole too many frungulums. Like at a, at a certain point, if you start um, t- making things really devoid of 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 things that relate to our own history relate to the way that that the stories that we've heard it it can make retelling the story or commenting on it kind of difficult to do if you don't at least you know allow yourself to hearken back to the the kind of stories that live in our hearts those things that allow us to make those connections to to say those statements um i i kind of want to throw some cultural relativism in here because when you talk about like western iconography like one of the reasons why um uh, uh full metal Alchemist Brotherhood looks like a little more Germanic than like maybe some other European civilizations. Like it doesn't look Norse in the way that the things are constructed is because um, Japan and Germany were homies for a long, long time. And without delving into the politics of the um, war crimes that every side of the war did in World War II, um, all very unique and distinct and need to be acknowledged, the atrocities that happened, one of the greatest world tragedies, that war. Um, there's a Miyazaki movie called The Wind Also Rises about the guy who created the uh, Japanese uh, Zero Airplane. And in it, it's it's a man really fighting with his, and it's, it's the only biopic that Miyazaki ever made. And it's a man trying to explore his dreams of making an aircraft like the first Japanese great airplane. And then coming to terms with the fact that it's used in war. It was the kamikaze vehicle. And this was just a young man who grew up loving airplanes, who did not hold huge imperialist like or racist ambitions. And you see him and the team of scientists going to Germany and making friends with these Germans, none of whom are uh, are engaging in like direct, like um, implicit racism mid conversation. It's just people talking about like airplanes. And so there, there is a reason why these stories are especially iconic and represented in Japanese media. It doesn't mean it's not problematic, but like it, it does mean we, right. we got to kind of consider um, all sides of this. I, I think a lot of animes like to kind of play off things that have already happened. Um, and yeah. I think that's when I realized that I liked anime is being able to relate the things we have seen in our history or the things we have even like witnessed in a very aggressive way not like aggressive in a bad way but like aggressive and like it is in your face um and mm-hmm. i just like how he's not shy about it like he's literally like yes i am relating it to this like can't you tell and i just think i don't know i i like it it's great
So, so a quick question for you both. I'm currently looking mm. to get more into anime with my anime, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I'm trying to find a good show for us to get started with. So, with your experience being Attack on Titan, would you recommend that being a good gateway show? I would. I, I think again. I think your anime is 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 a different case. Um, I, I think it's, it can be a different thing for it. But I think that it is. Not if you aren't into anime, I think it's like a Death Note equivalent, like because everyone like that was their gateway. I think this is a good equivalent to that for like a modern audience. Um, I think it's great for anyone who's twelve and up, and I also would consider it like an iconic, um, an iconic show. Even if you are an anime lover, up. What is wrong with you? These people being bisected. So, so for, for Dude, everyone because, listening, like, um, we, we at Brutakus do not condone watching anime if you are under the age of thirteen. I don't condone it if you're under the age of thirty-six. Like, <laughs> do not watch Food Wars until you're in a nursing home and you just have nothing left. Or just don't watch it ever. That's yeah, okay too. I love Food Wars. I love Food Wars. Maybe she oh, just wants to watch oh, a person being scuffed like a turducken. Haley, no. I've got something that would make your blood boil. But we'll talk about that later. Oh my god. That's okay. okay. Oh no. Was it? Right. Um, I mean, here's my, my my thing is like it's on Toonami. I was nine when I was sneaking Dragon Ball Z on Toonami. Like, I don't think it. I don't think it's like hurting anyone there. But I I do think like until you reach that like 12, 13 range, I this is hard. But we're also incredibly desensitized to violence in this society. <laughs> sure. So. I- I don't think it's anything anyone can handle. I just remember handle. one of our previous episodes discussing Dragon Ball Z, and one of their main isms in Z would being like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> darn it, darn, <laughs> darn, darn. Um, And like, yo, if you're 12 and you're into, because I, I taught, I taught, um, or I teach at a, a, a drama school um, after uh, my my day work, and there I have like 10, 11 year olds who are, wear Attack on Titan like sh- fucking uh, yep. shirts and jerseys and, and stuff, wear that merch, and they love. And that's fine. And like straight up, like when I was nine years old, I like found a like pornographic parody of the Numa Numa dance on Newgrounds.com, some flash animations that yeah. they made. Oh my like God. a whole like just a dark web of things that led me to my path of debauchery, which is <laughs> why I can't really talk about certain of my <laughs> affinities on the podcast. We're saving it for Patreon. We lost. Oh my lord. <laughs> um but um I oh, man. I, I I think that um if I had like a 12 year old i don't know if i would like introduce them to this first um if they were already into it i mean it depends like if you guys have a cool 12 year old sure if your 12 year old fucking sucks keep them away also (laughs) a lot of times kids like see it without their parents knowing and by that time by the time the parent knows that they're watching it they're like two seasons in and you're kind of like well damage is done i don't know this is so important Okay, on that topic, actually, of uh, 12-year-olds, there's a website called Common Sense Media. And Common Sense Media (laughs) is a nonprofit that kind of uh, looks at these pieces of media and then rates it on different scales and, like, has star scales of, is this appropriate for your kid? And so Attack on Titan, Common Sense is ages 15 and up to watch it, which, like, um, they have parents say and kids say, parents on average say 14, you're fine, and kids say, if you're 12, you're good. (laughs) And so the kids agree (laughs) that that seems fine. But so 
they have a different rating thing of like it has like a two out of five in positive messages, two out of five in positive role models, four out of five in language, <gasps> four out of five in violence, one out of five in consumerism. So I'm glad that that's a category. Not a lot of consumerism here. Well, no, I mean, literally consuming people. That's a lot of consumerism. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, they don't have a specific cannibalism tab. But anyway, they have a um, they have a talk <laughs> to your kids about uh, 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 t- panel here of like, if you want to have a productive conversation with your children about Attack on Titan, try asking this. And my favorite question there is, families can talk about violence and plot. What would this show be like without fighting? How else could its characters deal with conflict? They just couldn't. There's no, there's not a nat 20 on the die roll for persuasion that goes like, listen, Mr. Titan, I know that really that hunger inside is because you're lonely for French. Oh, 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 my, my legs! Like, that's how it would go. <laughs> that's how it would go. <laughs> It, 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 it's interesting that you talk because me and Haley have this conversation I think once a week where we go we are defined by the things that we snuck like we were defined by the things that the, <laughs> okay I hear you I really like that continue I want to hear that I was like identified by like Doritos and Kit Kats <laughs> like yeah well like it's like that the media, too, that, the media but... that we snuck because I wasn't allowed to watch uh, Naruto I wasn't, and so right. I wanted to watch right. it more because that was it was on tsunami. So I'm like, I'm gonna stay up, and they'll think I'm doing homework, and they're like, Oh, you're watching TV? I'm like, Nah. But like, <laughs> and because like I snuck that like that part where it's like, if you work hard enough, you can overcome natural talent. Like, became a big thing for me. And if people are sneaking this, and like the big morals here are like, Yo, look out for your fellow man. Like, we're all in this together. We're a common global people. I think that's a pretty good message to sneak if you're 12. Like, at least for me. Yeah, I mean, like, what is SpongeBob teaching you? It's teaching you how to, like, what, like, <laughs> uh, nag really and gaslight an teaching. octopus? Like, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, so anyway, Haley, you as the, the main Anabe in here who, who, who were brought mm-hmm. in, you were brought into the cult. We were born into it. <laughs> so so <laughs> why, did this, why did this hit for you like this? Um... Like I said, I I just love uh, things that kind of feel more real. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I also love scary movies. Uh, Emmett does not like scary movies. Really? Um, I'm a coward. I'm a coward. He, I I literally every time we are like let's watch a movie I'm like do you want to watch a scary movie <laughs> and like sometimes he's like yeah for sure like sometimes that's just the mood and then sometimes he's like are you fucking kidding me again we just watched one like earlier today <laughs> and I'm like, like, like Emmett you made me watch an anime where someone has sex with a meatloaf no we're watching <laughs> and that's when I say we can watch a scary movie and that and that's when I'm like okay be fair, yes, be fair, we fair, we have fair. a deal yeah. if there's like if there's a weird ass anime that he wants to watch i'll be like fine but the deal is a scary movie is in return that's yeah pretty that's, fair. that's pretty fair that's diplomatic we, you both I get something out of it mutual make yeah. that deal like, relationships well, are I, built on compromise and coming together that's amazing they really are. And, then, and then i have egg on my face when she shows me like i don't know like something really great that's a horror movie and like oh that was that's so nice After what, how can you do this to yourself and then i show you know someone getting like dicked down by some ramen and she's like <laughs> how can you do this to yourself and i'm like i guess i'm just trash what do you mean? What's wrong with that? It's art. <laughs> it's oh my so lord! See what they're saying with the with the with the tendrils. Of I, mm, no, we're gonna move on. So, um, <laughs> I love scary movies, and I love um, like I have always loved 
score. I don't. You do. I can't really tell you why. Um, so that obviously appealed to me at first. Um, and then, um, oh baby, the female characters. That is the that is like the deciding factor for me. As I said, in in an anime or in like an uh, whatever TV show, like. If the female characters are not good, I honestly don't want to watch it because I, you know, I I didn't grow up watching good female characters. And I felt like that was kind of necessary um, at, at my age, I guess. And I'm kind of sad I didn't have those kinds of things. But watching Attack on Titan now and watching like Avatar now and all those things, um, it it's really like showing me that, yes, um, female characters can be well written. Like there's not there. There aren't all there isn't always this like stereotype of what a female character is. Um, they're strong. They're funny. They're intelligent. Mm-hmm. Anatomically they correct. Are, <laughs> no, yep. <laughs> Anatomically correct. Don't even get me no started. No dump truck asses. Um, no gigantic no, no, bubbies. No, no pink bitties. hair. No blue yep. hair. Not here. Not here. They're, it's just. It's just their their people. Like ten of our listeners um, turned off the episode right there and threw their it. phones at the wall. Like, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. They were like, no, darn it. Um, I I just yeah, and uh, I that really did it for me was seeing like Mikasa, mm. Sasha. Ymir and Historia. Ooh, they are my favorite. Yo, babe, if I can, like, if I can, like, just because I don't, I want to, like, because this was a magical moment that we happened in the show, is uh, there was a moment that happened in season three, the beginning of season three, and, babe, you know the the one I'm talking about, where I was like, you're going to like this moment. And then I remember you getting teary and me getting teary, and I was like, why? Why? It was like, I wish I had this when I was growing up. I needed something like this, like, to really, I really am sad that I didn't have this now, but mm. this means so much. And like, that's one of the reasons why it is our show yeah. that we won't miss an episode without each that other. That was during Food Wars, right? <laughs> yeah, that was during Food Wars. That was just a brisket episode. Oh, I just. If you look at. I, now I realize why I like potatoes. Like, oh my gosh. Oh God. Yeah, if you're if you're looking to cry w- with your significant other over uh, plot developments in German architecture, this is your anime. If you're looking to just bust on some like blue-haired space alien, not as not much. Not the same. But check it out in a few weeks. We'll find something for you, man. So, going like real quick into favorite, least favorite parts. I think we should go around. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, we could go like um, uh, Mihal, Emmett, Haley for your like least favorite and favorite parts because for me um least favorite part if you're doing in the manga um the, the art's not great um i think the the dub of the anime too is really solid if you want to see it on a uh, funimation but um in terms of favorite uh oh, oh, oh one other least favorite thing I, I didn't exactly talk about it but um i love horror that isn't explained i think that the more you kind of me explain too. especially eldritch like almost uh, lovecraftian body horror very strange things like the titans for me a lot of the times the less powerful and uh, fearful they become so you do learn a lot about them it's a great slow burn there's a lot of twists it tells a really good story it just um horror wise i i wish there was a little more of that mystery kept up maybe for me but it's also great what it does. It could just be a, a preference on mine. In terms of favorite parts, like combat is amazing. The look of this is so unique. And the, the, the high drama, the writing is fantastic. I love that characters have the 
uh, room to be weak in this too, mm-hmm. to respond how like I worry that I might in the face of these Titans to just want to run like, and they, they do it very realistically. The characters aren't chastised and there's not like one big character who does the com- the Kamehameha solo. Plus it's like Ultra. It's a team effort. So <laughs> anyway, th- those are my two. You know, I think that my least favorite moment and my favorite moment are the same moment. Ah. And it is the very first episode of Attack on Titan. And it is this as as Aaron is, you know, after dies, um, you see um, you see Aaron being carried away by this guy. He's got him on his shoulder. He's holding him back. And it zooms in on Aaron's eyes on his face. Mm -hmm. Just this moment of taking in everything he is seeing and just this absolute despair on his face. And I remember seeing that and, and like, it struck some sort of chord within me that made me think, I can't watch this anymore. But it also never left my mind. <sighs> and so that's when I was like, that's what convinced me to give it another shot. Because I was like, they captured that that emotion of I, I am distraught and I am beyond fearful but i cannot look away and mm. i think that is what really mm. captured that for me that's awesome mm. okay so i'm gonna drop a hot take um in here my least favorite part is all of season one all of season one is my least favorite Damn. In, regards, in regards to I'm the whole not series surprised like yeah yeah um, in regards to the rest of it i because here's the thing um quick explanation is season one is the hype train it is the it is and it, if you look at it it's like wow this is like all over the map they're doing this and then they're doing this and then they're doing this and then and it's not until season two and three if you only watch season one as a standalone which a lot of people do and there's nothing wrong with it great season of anime but it doesn't make sense until you get it contextualized with season two and season three, mm-hmm. because then you're like, oh, so all of that wasn't random. Like when I just watched season one, I was like, oh, that's such an awesome random turn of events. It's um, like so crazy. It's so crazy. My favorite, my absolute favorite moment um, is this moment that I'm talking that I talked about with Haley. Uh, but and I told her that she'd like it, and I go in and like. So um, my favorite character, uh, well, one of them. I have two, but my this one, Historia. Um, I'll just say this. She oh. has to make a choice. She has to make a choice, and they do a really good job of being like, this is the obvious one. This makes sense. This is, no one will think less of you for doing this. It's a little morally questionable, but no one's going to think less of you for doing this. And here's your choice. And it's like, it's like trying to be, it's uh, it's like saying like, oh yeah, um, just, I'm trying to think of like a good example, but it's like one of those where like, it's really stacked against her. And she chooses right. And the, because that's the first time in the wor- in the entire series that Historia is like, I'm going to stand up at my own two feet. I'm going to do what I think is right. And you know what? And uh, like everybody else be damned because I'm going to follow my own moral conscience. And you never see that coming out. of coming, Especially, from, especially a woman. from a woman in anime. And you never. And I remember and I remember like talking to, to Haley going like, I can watch all the action. I can be sitting in my seat going, yeah, that's awesome. But at this moment, I was out of my seat going, yes, bitch. Yes. And I was like, I was screaming in 49 going like, oh my God. And then she hit him with the, and oh, she's going to hit him with the. I was like inaudible. It is it, it is a moment that you should, should watch the series for. I guess I would have to go off what Hal was saying in terms of my least favorite. Um, it's I, I honestly can't really peg down the moment exactly. But one of the reasons I had to stop watching it the first time through was because it was just a lot for me to handle at the time. I was going through a rough time personally at that moment. And 
um uh the the context of the show and the even just the colors honestly were a little just like oh like it because I love it, but I'm also like, if I watch this during a time where I don't think I can take it, it do- it doesn't do well for me. So I think um, you you just really got to be prepared for that and watch it when you are mm-hmm. doing okay. Um, <laughs> like, like, pick a good time where you're like, I'm feeling pretty good. Let's watch some Attack on Titan. Um, so interesting. But, oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I really had to like pick like when i watched it i i did the same thing because it was just yeah it can be just a lot for for me for me like when i'm in a really dark place and i have like the the like uh kablooies i want to watch some like dark evil stuff like this to kind of i guess reignite the empathy of the fact that i'm not the only one going through a tough time and so if i have to watch some Mm. animated cannibalism for a hot minute that's a uh, maybe i'm in the minority here i I understand (laughs) i understand where that's coming from i do because i kind of do the same thing like i I will watch like sad movies yeah listen like like, sad albums lift me up yeah but i think the thing for me is when i'm in a depressive state i get I get really nauseous. Mm. Um, so watching these titans eat people and just all the blood. <laughs> and they don't I even said, season them. <laughs> oh my god. Like it's barely a problem. When they eat them, nobody comes. No, not night on like food wars. Uncivilized wretches. Um but like that that was kind of where it was like it kind of left me nauseous mm. and i was like i think I, I just need to take a break from this yeah. um in terms of like my own mental health um and like the effect that that has on me um but my favorite oh god my my favorite oh. is my my girl Ymir. Ymir is my favorite character in the show. I named my D and D character after mm-hmm. her. Like that's how much I love mm-hmm. her. And um, you know, without giving away too many spoilers, Ymir and a certain person basically are like, ooh, like I like you, but like they don't really um make it like an obvious thing like they're not like these people are in love like it's just kind of implied but they never actually address it until like later in like season three and then like it finally kind of becomes like quote unquote canon and you would not believe how many tears i shed because i was so excited i was so happy and it just like it filled me with uh, emmett can attest i cried real hard i turned to him like full-blown tears in my eyes i was like and he was like yeah and i was like yeah, babe like god so um i i'd say that was my favorite moment only because it just sticks out so much in my mind is like an emotional moment for that's me that's awesome that's awesome so so with those caveats i think we've kind of covered like why not to watch attack on titan but like generally would we <laughs> i mean or, or like what states maybe to to watch out for you know how to exercise self-care with this but otherwise like would we recommend this for people for like a, a first anime Absolutely, 110%. So I think, yes, people should watch this. Um, I think it depends on the person. But I think as like as a non-Japanese audience, um, it would it still is kind of like a good thing to watch because I feel like it encompasses different cultures in it as well, which is a b- important part of the show to begin with. And I think seeing that 
as different cultures is important and um, it still is kind of like an accessible media type that is an anime, but not like one of those like crazy mystical mm. animes, you know, that we think are the stereotypical anime, I guess, if that makes totally, sense. Like yeah. it kind of like changes your view as to what an anime can be. And then you become more curious about animes because you're like, oh my God, like this is such a deep story. For sure. Oh. Yeah. And if you like body horror or horror movies or Game of Thrones or even like um the Hunger Games, like to be straight yeah. about yeah. it. Like, oh, super yeah. Hunger Games vibes. Yeah. How can you give us something motivational? <laughs> Sure. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, give us the pepper. Give us the pepper. <laughs> All right. Okay. 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 So, um, yeah. So, funny. I'm not sure how uh, my Anna Bay will react to Attack and Titan, but we'll give it a shot. <laughs> and we'll see if I can't uh, get her hooked on some of that good old stuff that brought you two together even mm-hmm. more. Oh. If it, if it doesn't work for you, you can always try Food Wars. That's true. I, I hear that that's a clincher. <laughs> Very big one. Uh, all right. So I'm just going to go ahead and clinch the show then. I think that's a great note to leave it on. Um, Emmett, Haley, thank you guys so much for joining us today. This was an absolute blast. We really appreciated having you guys on. You brought so much here. Thanks for yeah, having us. Buddies. You guys are amazing. So as a reminder, um, you can find Haley at, at and I'm going to spell Haley because there are many a spelling for Haley. So Haley is H. H-A-Y-L-E-Y. So you can find her at Haley Makes Art on Instagram and uh, Emmett at E-J Wick, E-J-W-I-C-K 33, both on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you all so much for listening. If uh, you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and review us on your favorite podcasting app. It really does make a difference and every review counts. We'll make sure to give you a shout out on the air to show our appreciation. Hey, speaking of shout-outs, we got some shout-outs today. I want to give a shout-out to you. I want to give a shout-out to you. And these are the Apple review things because this is where you could leave a text thing with a name. So if you can review us on Apple Podcasts because it'll get us up the charts and we'll be able to read your name. So shout-out to Smelly Man Hobo. Shout-out to Indeed an Avid Reader. Shout-out to Shayna Danielle. Shout-out to Bryce5598. Shout-out to Too Lazy 2. And shout-out to Van Sweet Ass. I appreciate appreciate the reviews gang you are very kind and wonderful keep them coming so next week we are doing the classic studio ghibli movie kiki's delivery service it is a lot of people's uh first experience with uh japanese animation it is a lot of people's fondest experience a magical story of a girl who's the young witch and a cat and she's delivering food and there's a young guy who's into propellers and bicycles and oh it's so sweet so It is fantastic, and uh, please join us next week. So, with that said, I'm Pax. And I'm Hal. And And we're the the Brotakus! And this is the Brotakus! We never say that! All right, well, this is the (laughs) Brotakus. We love you all so much, and we'll see you guys next week. See ya. I'm sorry. (laughs) God damn it. Haley and Emmett, did you want to give us? I felt so sure about it. I was so confident. I was so sure. You were ready. God, that might just be the intro right there, too. (laughs) Just you going, I'm sorry. And it's the (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh my god. Well, thanks for having
しい